this hour by Frederick Remington fully cooked ready to eat bacon. Exclusive no refrigeration 10 year extended shelf life bacon. The thickest media center cut bacon in the industry at fullycookedbacon.com. The gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you about Chris O'Brien. He's on his way, as we speak, to something called the Utah Fest. And that's another event that we'll hear about probably next week. And maybe we'll have a guest or two from there. So we'll see what happens. All right, so... We have a fascinating episode today because we're going to talk again about that book, UFOs Reframing the Debate. And so far, we've had on several of the contributors. We've had the editor, Robbie Graham. We've had Greg Bishop, one of the contributors. We've had another contributor on After the Paracast last week. So if you haven't joined Paracast Plus, this is a reason. Red Pill Junkie. And he's just terrific. And this week, we've got someone who hasn't been on the show for a while, and we'll talk to him about that in a moment, Kurt Collins, who also contributed to the book, and a bit later, M.J. Benias, more of a philosophical bent, and he's new to the show, and we're really anxious to talk to him and get his point of view. But right now, let me welcome back as our guest co-host, Kurt Collins. And Kurt, I know you try every so often to leave the UFO field. But we keep dragging you back in. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, I guess it gets in your blood. And, and there's uh, even if you get uh, sick of the, the topic or the politics or the squabbles, there's also a lot of positive social interaction. And if that for no other reason, well, we'll kind of keep you interested and you want to know what your friends are up to. Well, there have been a few things happening in the UFO field for good or bad. And I wanted to bring up a couple of them. Particularly since you were a member of the Roswell Slide Study Group, this group of skeptics, believers, and those in the middle who looked at the Roswell Slides and decided pretty quickly it was just a mummy, folks. I think I felt when I saw the pictures, what is this? They're saying it's... We have also mentioned the fact that Don Schmidt has another Roswell book, uh, 70 Years of the Roswell Cover-Up or something, which we will not discuss on the show. The publicist for his publisher has said, would you like to do this? And I said, no. So she recommended another book coming out from Kevin Randall. He's going to do a new book coming out soon on the Sicaro, New Mexico case. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, you know, one thing is that it's interesting that uh, Don Schmidt is writing a solo book instead of the Partner Act. But uh, the Socorro case for Kevin Randall is, is interesting. But I've read a little bit about what he's written on that. And it is certainly it's a landmark case. I think a lot of people think that that had to do with uh, persuading the, the Dr. J. Allen Hynek. Uh, from Blue Book that maybe there was something physical or, or genuine to this, and these weren't all mirages. I thought the Michigan case was one that cemented that opinion because he came out with this stuff about swamp gas, and he knew he was just bluffing. He had to say something. 
And I think that and a few other factors, and probably Sicaro was one of them, caused him to realize there was a lot more to it. But I know I interviewed Dr. Heineck a couple of times, and I liked him. And I think he was really intellectually honest about where it went. But yeah, I'm looking forward to any new viewpoints that Kevin might have. It would be really interesting then if we brought him on and then maybe Ray Stanford. I just wonder how that's going to work. Ray can be an unpredictable guy, I've heard. So that, that could be interesting. Could be oil and water. Very much. So what is Kevin coming up with? You said you were aware of it. Well, I'm just seeing that he is he has looked back over some classic cases. Uh, certainly, Socorro is one that, that caught his eye. Leveland, Texas, is another one. Uh, and his latest blog entry, he mentioned that there were new developments in MJ-12, if you can believe that. It, it seems like some of the U- UFO developments are reruns from the 80s, but I don't know how MJ-12 can be of any importance now, but here it is again. I didn't know whether to laugh or cry when I read this. Kevin has this blog, A Different Perspective, folks. If just look up Kevin D. Randall online. I don't have to give you the address. You'll find it. And he's always has fascinating stuff because he just continues going on. He's like the Energizer Bunny. He just keeps going on and on. And evidently, he's going to debate Stephen Bassett about the alleged reliability or authenticity of these new MJ-12 documents. I understand that Kevin didn't even believe in the original ones and has said so and has said why. We expect that Stephen Bassett, who is not very skeptical, probably believes them, so it should be a fascinating debate, except do we really care anymore? Why do we even bother with that? Did you get a chance to look at the, the what the documents contain? I have not looked at it. I just don't know whether I really want to or not. I, I don't think you do. I, briefly, there, there's three sections to it. There's, there's kind of an introduction. Then there's a recap of the Roswell case, which apparently contains mistakes. And then the next thing it moves on to is the uh, Aztec New Mexico case discussed as if it's real. Uh, and, you know, that's one of the biggest hoaxes ever. I mean, it was influential, but, you know, there was there was nothing to it. There are a few people uh, that hang on to it, uh, the Ramses, and I think even uh, uh, Stan Friedman supports it. But, you know, it's, it's still, you know, it was pulled out of the garbage heap. Then there's another section, and this is the one that's more sensational, an interview with an EBE. And, oh, uh, wait a minute. Is it really worth our time? Let me tell you. With Aztec, we've been skeptical. We had Scott Ramsey on the show a few times, Frank Warren, who lives around that area, and he seemed to be in favor of it, and he was seemed to be sponsoring Scott. Now, the thing is here, I didn't believe it, and then we had on, on after the Paracast, another reason for you to subscribe, folks, we had Monty Shriver, who's a retired accountant engineer or something, And he came up with a one-year project where he investigated the case. And he said there's nothing to it. He grew up in Aztec, New Mexico and doesn't remember anything. He went to his class reunion and nobody remembered. This is something that happened when he was, I don't know, 12 years old or 13 years old. Nobody had a memory of it. The newspaper publisher mentioned nothing about it. It didn't exist prior to Frank Scully's book. All right? That's the big problem with Aztecs. So these MJ-12 documents, if they were real, forgetting the EBE interview, allegedly, 
that's sufficient to say, no, this thing can't be possible. It's a fake. That's why I don't know if we'll even mention it. Maybe next time Kevin is on to talk about the Sakara book, I'll mention it to him. I keep thinking, should I have Stephen Bassett on to explain why he keeps saying there's going to be disclosure and it never happens? But then he's just replaying the old game from Major Donald Kehoe. In the 50s and 60s, Kehoe seemed to feel that he would help bring out the truth about UFOs. He would stop the silence group in its tracks. He failed. Stephen Bassett continues to fail. So how often does he say the same thing before we give up on it? Well, the, the, the key difference between uh, uh, Major Kehoe was that he was pursuing investigation, and he felt that there was a cover-up. But Stephen Bassett is taking an exponential jump and that there are treaties, there, the government has knowledge, specific knowledge and interaction, and, you know, that's the disclosure he wants to force. He's not saying, we need to look into this. He's saying, tell us. Tell us about the aliens. And, you know, some people don't believe there's much to be said about that. You know, we'd love to see more documents, but, you know, this is a blood out of the stone type question. And if there, it may not be anything there. And you see, that's the difference. I agree with you with Kehoe. Kehoe was saying, yes, they were spaceships, but he didn't go into these elaborate conspiracies about government collusion with E.T. and all that. You know, his approach was more sensible. He was a retired Marine Corps major. So whatever you think about his approach, more sensible. Bassett takes it thousands and thousands of levels beyond that. We're talking about UFOs, reframing the debate again. MJ Benias will join us in a few moments. Chris O'Brien's on special assignment with Gene and Kurt. You're in. The Paracast. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. If you go to store.theparacast.com, stop by and take a shopping tour. Hi, my name is Lee, and for 10 years I've suffered from ulcerated colitis. I've taken prednisone, ibuprofen, and many other prescription drugs and never saw any improvement. I tried salmon oils and flaxseed oils, but only burped them up, and they did not seem to help. Then I learned from an acquaintance who healed her rheumatoid arthritis by using Andre seed oils. I was so inspired to try them, I began taking Andre's flaxseed, five-seed blend, black cumin, and coriander seed oil. In five months, the swelling in my hands was so reduced, I was able to see my knuckles for the first time in five years. I've been off all medications for 
13 months, and by using only Andreas seed oils, my colitis is controlled, and the arthritis pain in my knees is also reduced, and my inflammation is zero, and so many other benefits. A patent-pending process has been developed which results in seed oils that have virtually zero oxidation and are structurally intact. Now, the full healing power of seed oils is available to you via the Andreas seed oils. Call Synergistic Nutrition at 888-988-3325 or visit sacredseedoils.com. That's sacredseedoils.com. know what's lurking in your water more than 200 contaminants could be sitting there just waiting for your glass with a ProPure water filter, start enjoying clean and great tasting water today. ProPure filters, independently tested, latest water filter technology. ProPure systems do not require electricity and are easy to set up and easy to use. To find out more, visit your authorized ProPure dealer or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com. For P150, P150 GA, P150 NY, P150 OK, P150 TN, C250 AC250, EC250Q. Not available in all states. If New York or Colorado, call for a similar offer. What's the scariest thing about going to the dentist? Opening your mouth or opening your wallet? Because just a simple cleaning can cost $100, and things like root canals can cost you hundreds more. If you don't have dental insurance to help, call Physicians Mutual Insurance Company. 1-800-656-9775. This isn't a discount plan or preventive-only coverage. This is real dental insurance that helps pay for checkups right away. So you can call today and get your teeth cleaned tomorrow. Plus, it helps cover the more expensive procedures you might need down the road. Fillings, crowns, bridges, even costly dentures. There's no deductible and no annual maximum. Your acceptance is guaranteed for one of these insurance policies, even if you're retired. There are no networks, so you can choose any dentist you'd like. Call now for a free information kit with all the details. 1-800-656-9775. That's 1-800-656-9775. 9775 1-800-656-9775 By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blockit Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. Blockitpocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at blockitpocket.com or call 888-315-9618. Blockitpocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So Kurt Collins is our guest co-host, and he'll also be on After the Paracast. Chris O'Brien is at the Utah Fest, and we'll hear about that next week. We welcome to the Paracast M.J. Benias. He's another contributor to that book, UFOs Reframing the Debate. And he'll join us in just a moment. But I want to tell you first about After the Paracast, our premium podcast. Now, After the Paracast is one of those unpredictable things. We might just be talking about stuff. We might have exclusive guests. It's all a mixed bag, but it's fascinating always. You can only hear it If you join the Paracast Plus, go to plus.theparacast.com. That's P-L-U-S dot theparacast.com. We give you simple sign-up instructions. It's basically joining the forums if you're not already there and upgrading your membership. We give you access to After the Paracast. We offer a commercial-free version of this show with better quality audio. We've got some videos and other stuff coming. 
And the subscription prices start at just $1.49 a week. It's the number one way to support the Paracast, plus.theparacast.com. So MJ, really glad to have you on. And before we talk about your contribution to the book and a cultural thing I want to get details about, how did you get caught up in the UFO mess? First, thanks very much for having me on. It's a real honor to be here. I'm a, I'm a big fan, and um, this is, like like it says, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So it's, it's an honor for me to be on your show. Um, it's an so honor for us me. to have you. Um, so, you know, for me, being involved in this sort of the madness that is the UFO field, I guess, um, you know, my story is pretty, pretty boring, actually. I... Um, you know, grew up sort of loving uh, watching, you know, the uh, the TV shows about, you know, aliens and uh, uh, The Outer Limits was definitely a favorite of mine growing up. Uh, not the 60s version, like the, the 90s reboot, I guess, or the 80s reboot. Um, and, you know, it just kind of, my parents let me watch TV. I probably shouldn't have been watching when I was young. And um, I fell in love with just the idea of, you know, uh, aliens and UFOs. And, and I started reading all the sort of the magazines and the books about the subject. I remember my school library had one of those um, hardcover picture books, uh, sort of one of those with, you know, photographs and stuff about sort of UFOs and aliens. So it was something that sort of was always around in my life, I guess, that I really enjoyed. And um, I have to be honest, I, I just sort of started... Um, you know, hanging out with Chris Rakowski a little bit, uh, you know, a mutual friend of ours. And um, I realized that, you know, I wanted to start contributing a little more to, uh, I guess, the UFO question. Sort of, I, I had been doing a lot of research and, and study in the background, but never really said anything. And, and I had a lot of opinions about it. Um, and it just sort of started falling in line. I became a, a field investigator for MUFON, uh, which I recently sort of ended my relationship with MUFON only a couple weeks ago. And, um, you know, I'm still writing and I'm, and I'm just, I don't know, using my, edu- my university education uh, and putting it to good use and obviously talking about UFOs and aliens, right? Because that's the best use for a university degree, that's for sure. Um, what is your university degree in? I have a bachelor's degree in English, which, is, which focuses in critical theory. Uh, I've minored in history and philosophy. I also have uh, a bachelor degree in education, as well as a post-baccalaureate diploma in critical theory. For those of you who don't know, critical theory is, is philosophy predominantly, but it's a cultural philosophy. It's not really metaphysics or epistemology. It's more about the philosophy of, of culture, of everyday sort of culture. That's critical theory, looking at sort of those systems. So, uh, you know, a smattering of university degrees and nothing too serious. I'm, you know, I'm not a doctor or anything. Uh, it, it's definitely given me enough background that I can sort of do some writing and definitely interested in pursuing some more university education sort of part-time. But, you know, I have a family now, so I have to put that first, obviously. And you have to make a book. Are you a teacher? I am. Yeah, I'm an educator. Yeah, I teach English and history. You see, I got that connection. Now, talking about culture, one of the things I've looked into, and I'm sure Kurt has as well, and we've explored in the Paracast, is not just case history so much as UFOs as a cultural phenomenon how it either generates or reflects our culture. Have you considered that? Yeah, oh, for sure. My blog, Terra Obscura, is basically sort of, it's a cultural blog. I explore the UFO question from a cultural standpoint. So, 
I personally, while I am interested in sort of obviously finding out the answer to the UFO riddle, I think, you know, a lot of us are, um, I, I, it's not my biggest interest. My biggest interest is how the UFO shapes our, I guess, our perceptions of sort of outer space, how it shapes our perceptions of ourself, how it shapes our perceptions of our government, how it shapes our perceptions of our position on this planet as sort of being the only quote-unquote intelligent species. You know, so I think the UFO question brings together a whole bunch of our cultural knowledge and a whole bunch of our cultural anxieties, and it, and it lumps it into sort of a flying silver disc. And it's sort of beautiful because no one else is really studying it in this way. At least there's not many people who are studying it in this way. So I've really sort of found a nice niche um, in the cultural study of the UFO question. So here's a point. Are we seeing what's really there? Or are we seeing the shiny silvery disc? Because right now our culture is steeped in sci-fi and that's one of the images. Right. And this is a a sort of an an age old UFO question, right? I mean, you know, Jacques Vallée would sort of posit this, right? He would he would say the image of the UFO has sort of shifted throughout history, right? He would say the image of the UFO, whatever we see, has shifted across culture. A thousand years ago, people saw sort of fairies and angels and and demons and, and sort of that sort of cultural kind of concept, these concepts of culture, these folkloric ideas. And, you know, as we progress into sort of, he talks about the airships in the 1800s, late 1800s, and then sort of the 1950s, obviously saw the flying saucers in the 80s, you know, it was the Black Triangle was quite popular, you know. So, yeah, I I think we we sort of do see this progression of what aliens look like and what UFOs look like. Um, And there's, and it's definitely sort of shifting across time and, and culture, I think. So I, I don't know, you know, to answer your question, is it actually a shiny silver disc or is it actually a black triangle? You know, I don't know. But if you kind of look at the cases and as they progress through time, you know, people don't see flying saucers very much anymore. You know, we see other things now. And is that culture or is that just, you know, the aliens are for some reason changing their technology? I don't know. I can't speak for them. Okay, this is really interesting. So we really have to look at this. What might be behind it. Now, anytime I think about UFOs having a shape or structure in a way that is different than what it really is, I think of the movie Contact. Yeah. Where Jodie Foster sees E.T. in the form of her late father because she could relate to it. And E.T. tells her, and it could be a dream, but comes to her and says, you're seeing me this way because you will be better able to accept what I look like. Now, that has all sorts of different meanings. It could be maybe he's or it's visible in a way that we can't see, or the appearance would be so grotesque that we couldn't accept it. Or it's pure energy, like we saw in some of the Star Trek episodes. Or he's from the Q universe. (laughs) We have MJ Benias and Kurt Collins... You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. 
hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Are you looking to become more self-sufficient? Then you need to have your own energy source. The Solark EMP hardened generator is automatic, maintenance-free, and reduces your monthly electric bill. You can also take it off-grid when you go camping. Contact PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875 today. Portable Solar LLC gives you everything you need to start using solar energy in less than one hour. Solark EMP hardened solar generator energy insurance. For your family or business, call Portable Solar LLC today. Extendivite really works. Just listen to what some people have to say. Several years ago, I was developing a very uh, severe situation. I called it my flippy heart. It just was doing not good things. And I did not want to go to a medical doctor because uh, I just knew they would give me a cover-up pill. I didn't want to get onto that sort of thing at all. When I learned it was garlic and cayenne, and cayenne is a healer. It is a wonderful herb. I said, I think I'm on to something here. I'll tell you, I wouldn't be without it. It did wonderful things for me. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply of either capsules or liquid. Call now. That's 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendovite. Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with Pure Soap. These all-natural, earth-friendly Pure Soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk. Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change? See them at 5starsoap.com or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Cal Bend Soap Company can save you thousands of dollars and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5starsoap.com. That's F-I-V-E starsoap.com. Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Hi there, I'm Bob Eubanks. You know, as part of Hollywood for a long time, I've seen my fair share of celebrities get in trouble with the IRS. Well, there's one name I trust, the Tax Defense Group. They're the most trusted name in tax. So if you owe more than $10,000 to the IRS, you really need to call my friends at the Tax Defense Group. Ignoring the IRS is not the solution. They can garnish your paycheck, levy your bank accounts, seize your home or business. But the Tax Defense Group could put a stop to all of that and tailor a program that would reduce your tax debt to pennies on the dollar. you got to love that. So don't just take my word for it. Call them. Find out for yourself. They offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee. And they're open 24 hours a day because they know that tax debt doesn't sleep either. Call now for your free and confidential tax analysis from the most trusted name in tax. Call 800-361-6907. 800-361-6907.
Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. MJ Benias joining us on the Paracast. Kirk Collins is our guest co-host, exploring the reality of UFOs and what may lie behind the curtain. So, MJ, do you think there's a curtain? Or are we making it all up? Yeah, I'm going to touch on a, a blog post I wrote. Uh, I believe it's called Involuntary Shapeshifters. And the blog post sort of an- asks this question um, that you're sort of, you're, 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 quite, you're asking. Um, I, I think there's a lot to be said for the idea that we create our own reality. We create our own image of reality. Sort of what we understand as happening around us is interpreted by our brain and our, our, our senses rather send signals to our brain and then the brain kind of responds. And I did cite in my blog post the moment from contact where she meets sort of this alien and it's and it's in the shape of her father and it's this beach that she grew up on that she remembered as a child. And I, I think if, if we really look at a lot of the UFO cases out there, we look at sort of the anecdotes of of alien contact, whether it's abduction or sort of like contact, not sort of violent abduction. The image of the alien, whatever it is, changes across time. It also changes depending on sort of what the experience is like. So we can chalk this up to one of two things. One, we can chalk this up to all of these different beings exist, and and we sort of see this in U- the UFO sort of narrative, right? There's the greys and the insectoids and the reptilians and all the sort of wild assortment of all of these different creatures um, that are sort of all interacting with humanity, and they interact in different ways, and and it's it's all this massive jumble of chaos. Or there's the other way where we look at it as you know potentially there is something out there, there is some sort of other. However our interpretation of it shifts based upon perhaps what we want to see or perhaps on what we can understand or perhaps on what what sort of the creature wants, the other rather, wants us to sort of interpret it as, I guess, whether it's going to be a violent experience or a peaceful experience or whatever. And ultimately, you know, when you kind of think about this, you know, both require a bit of a leap in belief, right? You know, there, there's no real evidence to support well, there is evidence, I suppose, but there's no sort of necessarily concrete evidence that we've all accepted as being 100% legitimate that this other exists. And I kind of like the idea leaning more to this concept that potentially there is some intelligence out there and it simply adjusts itself to our interpretation of it. We build the reality for it. It exists in the reality we shape it or we give it to exist in. Because it's, 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 I think it's one thing to potentially believe in one intelligent other, to believe that there's dozens of species all interacting with humanity simultaneously and they all have different agendas. You know, that gets a little hairy. At least it for means me. we're very popular out there in ET land. And, right? And, and it's like, why? What do we have here? You know, <laughs> what do they want from us? That was a joke. I really don't know. I had a question for you about, uh, you mentioned that you were a MUFON field investigator. Could you could you tell me a little bit about that experience? Uh, sure. What do you want to know? <laughs> well, for one thing, uh, I'm curious about how that contrasts with your philosophical approach, because 
you know, as, as I understand it, the, the, the field investigator manual is mostly about physical details. And, and kind of contrast it with, with your approach and how comfortable you, with you uh, you were using it. And, uh, I, you know, if you could tell us some about the cases you investigated. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, my time with MUFON was, was relatively short. I, I did about two years, a little longer. Um, and, you know, one thing I'll say is as someone with a philosophy background, it's, you know, I, my, my entire university career is, is compartmentalizing portions of my brain so that I can have sort of multiple belief systems at once. And, and I don't really buy into anything. So you can call that wishy-washy or waffling. And it kind of is. So when, when you're sort of dealing with MUFON and, and it's funny, right? Cause you, Kurt, you kind of made this interesting claim about MUFON where the, the field investigators manual is about collecting sort of hard data you know what did the ufo look like what was the weather like that day um you know the barometric pressure uh, you know flight pads assessing sort of the environment that uh, the ufo event took place in and then sort of assessing the witness um in some way because you know we're all volunteers and none of us have a psych background but apparently we're qualified to assess a witness um so there's kind of that aspect this this sort of hard scientific field investigative portion. But then really when you look at MUFON itself as an organization, it is nothing like the field investigator's manual. Fundamentally, it isn't. The the MUFON as an organization um, has sort of legitimized every single aspect of UFO discourse. They've said, uh, secret space program, no problem. We believe in that. Sort of, we buy every abduction story, um, you know, with without question. And and if you think it happened, it happened. Um, you know, it, it, Mufon has has kind of, I think, divided itself against itself. Um, so you know, for me, uh, I don't think there's sort of something about Mufon that that is kind of hard fact only. I, I think they've kind of thrown their lot in with sort of the rest of the UFO people out there. And they've bought into the ideology um, as much as sort of any other organization has, you know, insofar as MUFON claims that we are a scientific organization. Uh, you know, scientific-ish, I think, would be more appropriate. Um, but to talk about specific cases, you know, there's been plenty. I've I've kind of run the gamut from just you know lights in the sky at night to full out abduction to um, daylight discs. You know, I've kind of been sort of all over where I live in in, in Canada. Um, you know, all over the province, kind of talking to people and and chasing chasing UFOs, quote unquote. You know, I've had a few interesting ones. Um, I, I think I've only closed one as an actual unknown. Um, so I wouldn't say I've had sort of anything that to me was mind boggle, mind bogglingly, you know, unknowable. Um, they usually turn out to be pretty prosaic, you know, and then you deal with sort of the people who, who make abduction claims. Um, and it's, and, and, you know, I have to be honest, I'm, I'm a skeptic, but I'm a romantic skeptic. So I'll believe sort of, the story in a sense that, you know, I'm sure it happened. You know what I mean? Like in my heart, I'll believe it, I guess. But I, you know, I also look at it as we have to sort of be, um, intelligent about this, right? We have to sort of assess properly what's going on and do you have evidence to support your claims? And, you know, obviously not. And I mean, otherwise I'd be a millionaire. So, um, 
Yeah, it was it was an interesting experience. Can I end it with that? It was an interesting experience. Um, MUFON was interesting. It, it's 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 yeah, complicated. Let's put it that way. You know what? I'm getting some irritating connotations here about MUFON, and I have to tell you before we go on, we have had some shows about MUFON where we see them in a less than favorable light. So we have, for example, this gentleman who, very deep in the MUFON, he was one of the co-hosts of the Hangar 1 TV show. And he was writing white nationalist racist stuff on Facebook. Yeah. And they were reluctant, decidedly reluctant, to let him go. In fact, one person or some people were called haters. And it turned out this guy was among this group of people who had given at least $5,000 in donations to MUFON. Right, And I hate to think that one's status is cemented by the money regardless of their personal viewpoints or offensive behavior. Now, the thing to point out here is you're entitled to your beliefs. But when you make beliefs that are so polarizing and could be considered hate speech and you're associated with an organization that wants to be taken seriously as a scientific research organization, there's a serious Disconnect, But we'll have more to say and maybe MJ's response about the things that are left unsaid about MUFON. We have MJ Benias, co-host Kurt Collins. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features and most important, It's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. We use cell phones against our heads every day. But now a landmark U.S. government study confirms increased health risks from exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The time to protect yourself is now. The solution is Defender Shield. Proudly made in the USA, Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation emitted from cell phones, tablets, and laptops. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. Use discount code DEFENDER for 10% off. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in EMF radiation protection. Ralph, remember when you said you were going to start paying more attention to your health and now you're eating potato chips? Just a few. A few, okay, but you should be eating Superberries Aronia Berries. Aronia what? Aronia Berries from Superberries.com. They're known for having one of the highest levels of antioxidants that helps with overall wellness. Go to Superberries.com slash radio. And right now we get a free smoothie recipe book with our order. Plus we can save $4 at checkout. Wow, look at all the benefits of these berries. I know, Ralph, I know. Choose health. Eat purple. Superberries.com.
This is Dan Pilla. Do you have the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Sounds like you've been practicing, MJ. By the way, MJ has nothing to do with the MJ-12 documents. I want to make sure we understand that. We were talking about MUFON, and uh, so uh, you mentioned that you had recently resigned. Now, I saw, before it vanished, there were a number of, co- of comments to the directors of MUFON's message, his, his non-apology. And uh, you uh, announced that uh, you would be stepping down unless uh, steps were taken. And before I let you pick up from there. Apparently, uh, John Ventry, uh, at least from what I understand, there'd been a number of problems. I remember when he claimed the uh, the missing Malaysian airliner was abducted by aliens, and he seemed insensitive to the fact that that could offend the families of the victims. And it, it just seems to me like he, the fact that he was still with MUFON was a symptom of a problem, and it was only this issue that brought things to a head. Yeah, you know- <laughs> The, the situation with, with John Ventry was really, I think for MUFON, it, it's, it's tough to find the words here. It, it really did, I think, a lot of damage for them um, only because I think in general, and, and I'm, I'm speaking in general here because I think we can find examples of people who, who definitely don't follow this sort of ideology. But I think in general, the people who exist within sort of the UFO culture, right? The UFO community are generally sort of forward thinking people. I mean, yeah, I have to be honest. If you sort of believe that there's aliens out there, 
Um, or if you believe there's, you know, interdimensional beings or beings of light, or you believe in sort of the, the mysticism of the UFO issue or, or whatever, you know, typically it's difficult to then sort of be racist. Um, you know what I mean? Like, how can, how can you be, you, you have an issue with, with, with other human beings when, you know, you have this belief system in some sort of intelligent other that isn't human, right? And, and for sure, you know, you're always going to have people within a community that, differ from this norm but i think the norm predominantly for sort of people within the ufo community is sort of they're they're typically progressive um they're typically uh you know a little more liberal leaning typically a little more left-wing um because again you know they believe in aliens uh, i think ventry and his comments and then sort of move on standing not standing by him in a sense, but they did, they did, yeah, by standing by Ventry, they definitely, you know, to find a, to find a better where they alienated a significant portion of sort of the UFO community, especially those who are, who are sort of a little more left of center, uh, you know, freedom of speech is a wonderful thing, but people are still going to take offense to what you say, especially in a public atmosphere like that. And, you know, ultimately I think the, the director of MUFON, he sort of bungled it a little bit when he kind of called everyone who was attacking Ventry for his racist comments and basically calling him out on being a racist when he sort of referred to all of those people as haters. Um, you know, Harzen is ultimately then – he's not necessarily supporting Ventry in his comments, and I'm sure Mr. Harzen is, is not a racist. But why would you sort of defend him in, in – openly like that and then not only say you know we apologize for his like he didn't say we apologize for his comments and then he moved on to then say you know all of you who have problems with him are haters you know so he sort of did the double the, the double sin here of you know pr which is a shame because i mean mufon just paid a whole lot of money to a pr firm to change their image and i'm just wondering you know what they spent all that money on because they apparently didn't do a great job um you know, training Mr. Harson on what to say in a situation like this. You know, um, I just wonder how much money they're wasting for a PR firm. Supposedly, they're using their money other than paying their executives and publishing the magazine and all that stuff. They're using the money you give to do UFO research, not yeah. hire PR firms. Because remember, PR firms aren't cheap. No, they certainly are not. And and and. They burn money fast, you know. That's the other thing. You don't get a lot for for the money that you do spend. Um, yeah. Sorry, was somebody going to say something? I just heard. Uh, no, but uh, let's uh, finish the thought with. Uh, so, how did uh, how did your break with Mufon come to be? Um, you know, it it definitely did have. Um, it definitely did have a lot to do with this situation. I, you know, again, I'm Canadian, um, so <laughs> you know. Uh, the whole population of Canada leans slightly left of center compared to, um, you know, the United States. Um, but so for me, you know, that was definitely one aspect of my sort of separation from MUFON. I, I think I also have ideological problems with MUFON. I think, you know, Kurt, you asked sort of before, you know, about the field investigators manual and how it sort of differs from my philosophy in a sense. And, and I think that, you know, MUFON has been operating, for, you know, for quite some time. And, and it hasn't really – it doesn't have sort of much to show for itself. Um, so I think that that is one issue I have. I think that you know for something that has been in existence for as long as it has been, to not 
you know, to not to be able to sort of provide, you know, this is why, you know, MUFON exists. They, they can't really give us sort of these, this, these unbelievable case that they've investigated and have sort of proven that something strange is going on beyond the shadow of a doubt. Um, and that's really the whole UFO discourse overall. You know, there is no evidence for anything really, but um, I guess there's pieces, but MUFON hasn't really achieved greatness. Um, and they've had a lot of time to do it, and and it's I almost feel like Mufon is is sort of shrinking uh, rather than than growing. And I think you know I, I don't know the numbers on the most recent sort of symposium from 2016, but you know our numbers down. Um, you know, if they are, I, I think this is just sort of evidence of of sort of Mufon shrinking. I know they struggle to find field investigators, um, especially in Canada, so. Because no one's heard of them, but um, you know, I think that that's kind of one problem I had with it. I, I also have a problem with the fact that MUFON currently does not know itself. Um, it, it was a scientific organization; it, it touts itself as a scientific organization, but it does everything but being a scientific organization. Um, and, and I think the most recent topic that it's being that's hosting at the symposium this year is, I think, the secret space program. And and I would argue as a scientific organization, you know, where is this data coming from? Like, where is the science behind the secret space program that that you're presenting on? Or where is the facts? Um, where is the the smoking gun evidence that suggests there is a, a, a secret space program apart from just kind of the, the typical UFO sort of people who who sort of who just pitch ideas, you know, and, and take these leaps of logic from, you know, a simple, you know, conspiracy to, you know, we're building massive space stations and we're and we're using you know a reversed alien technology to to build ships. Um, so again, you know, I struggle with MUFON's inability to to find its place um, within the UFO community. It's kind of all over the world right now. And um or all over the place, rather, and um, it it can't it just can't focus on on what it needs to do, and I think that's a problem. The thing I see with MUFON is when they hold these symposiums, and this is true also with the state directors and the local sessions. What they are doing is filling seats. That's the main focus. Let's get wacky guests. Doesn't matter. We're not going to vet them. I'll give you one example here. Some time back, two, three years ago, was looking for a guest and had a MUFON state director, I think from Missouri. And if I'm wrong, you know, shoot me later. So she's mentioning this forthcoming meeting. I said, sure, go ahead. And she's going to have Michael Horn on, and he's the American representative for Billy Meyer. Right. And I said, do you know who Billy Meyer is? Do you know anything about it? No. And I sent her a bunch of information, and Michael Horn, to her credit, was disinvited. (laughs) Now, this is the problem. They'll bring people into some of these sessions, and it's certainly true with the National Conference. They don't care whether these people have solid information to offer. It's a commercial enterprise. The same thing with the Hangar One TV show, where Hangar One was, as reality shows go, probably worse than many because it pointed to alleged evidence and documents that did not exist. 
Now, I know we've had stories on the show here about the UFO Hunters show, which was on for a couple of years and featured Bill Burns, late of UFO magazine, and the co-author of The Day After Roswell with Colonel Philip Corso. And, you know, he's a good storyteller. I hope to have him back on. He's a lot of fun. But this show was nonsensical. They'd have a real case, and then they go off the deep end. We've got more to come. MJ Benias, not all about Mufon. We're going to get off it in a moment. Kurt Collins is our guest co-host. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Be prepared for the next disaster with the ShelterPod. The ShelterPod is a large, all-season, heavy-duty, quick-deploy shelter. The ShelterPod system can be set up in 30 seconds and includes an emergency medical kit, water filter, survival tools, and more. Are you prepared to take care of your family? Do you have everything in one place ready to go? Get it now or enter to win a complete ShelterPod system at ShelterPod.com. The ShelterPod at ShelterPod.com. Shelter when you need it most. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So Chris O'Brien's on his way as we speak to the Utah Fest. MJ Benias, former investigator for MUFON, Kurt Collins, our guest co-host. Now, let me ask you this, too. So MUFON's questionnaire, their training materials, they're looking for solid objects. They don't pay attention to the witness at all. Am I wrong about that? That's my perception. 
I, I think in the MUFON field investigators manual, I think it's it's primarily looking at the UFO question definitely from a nuts and bolts perspective, right? If we sort of look at, you know, all of UFO discourse, we can sort of put on a spectrum. And I think sort of on opposite ends of the spectrum, you sort of have the the yeah, the nuts and bolts, you know, aliens who are made out of meat like you and me, and they hop in their spaceships and they fly around in their in their metal machines, right? And then there's sort of the other side, right? The more mystical side of the UFO experience, right? That people have the um, sort of the interdimensionals and light beings and, and um, all that. I, I think MUFON definitely focuses and caters towards this more nuts and bolts ideology. Um, it really focuses on sort of this otherworldly... Um, aspect as if you know it knows that these craft are are from another planet versus something else um so i i I definitely think that's that's part of it i think once you kind of get into the nuts and bolts side of things i think the witness does become less important um only because the witness saw allegedly an objective object Right, something that exists sort of within space and time, just like your coffee table exists within space and time. So, so you know, MUFON doesn't rely; it does rely on the witness. I mean, you have to have to interview them, and you obviously have to sort of put your time in with them. But the witness's experience, perhaps on the maybe on the more spiritual or mystical side, is not a key factor here. At least I think sort of not in the field investigator's manual and maybe not officially. But again, MUFON has kind of gone down this road and, and you know, like you said earlier, to put bums in seats, there might need to be more catering to this other side, this more mystical aspect of the UFO question. Um, so again, this is where I, I take issue with MUFON is is it's trying, I think, to play both both sides here. I think it's trying to say, you know, we we want to deal with the nuts and bolts question. We want to investigate the nuts and bolts question of the of UFOs, but we also, you know, want to deal with this mystical aspect of it, this interdimensional potentially, or this, you know, universal consciousness or whatever. The, the problem is once you start saying that you know you believe in everything, ultimately you end up believing in nothing, and um, you, you cast this massive net. Um, and clearly the people who sort of have a brain are going to look at this and, and say, okay, well, now what do you stand for now, right? Um, because, you know, as someone who exists within the UFO culture, within the UFO community, you know, you're going to pick an ideology, right? You're going to sit there and you're going to say, you know, I believe it's this or I believe it's that. And, and MUFON is saying, well, we sort of believe in everything, um, uh, you know, maybe unofficially, but it, it is starting to kind of go that route. So... This is why sort of my my problem exists with MUFON is again it, it's 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 leaving sort of what it's good at and and sort of maybe what it's sort of tried to build and and it's now abandoning that for for other things and again potentially for money potentially put bums in seats potentially to make television shows which are questionable and, and I think this is sort of MUFON's sort of current gig. That's not to say that. I have a problem with the nuts and bolts question, nor do I have a problem with the mystical sort of side of, of the UFO question. I think the UFO discourse overall, the entire UFO subculture is very democratized. It's very open to significant interpretation. And really, there is no right answer right now. There is no evidence to support a right answer. So I'm not going to sit here and say all of the people who believe in interdimensional beings and all of the people who have mystical alien contact experiences or whatever, I'm not going to say they're wrong. I have no evidence to suggest that they're wrong. 
I can't disprove anything that they've sort of are telling me. Does it sound a little kooky? Sure. But, you know, a lot of things are kooky. I'm also not going to discount the nuts and bolts sort of more scientifically minded uh, UFO in, investigators or UFO sort of researchers. Again, you know, they have no evidence to support their claims either. They have just as much evidence as sort of the kooky UFO mystics. Um, so I'm not going to throw that baby out with the bathwater either. I think for me personally, just UFO wise, I'm a bit of an agnostic. I don't know what I believe um, and and I can argue sort of both sides. I can provide and I can probably argue for for reasons why you know nuts and bolts is better than mystical. And then I can probably argue for why mystical is probably better than nuts and bolts. Um, so I choose to sort of remain agnostic in this. And and you know I don't want to sort of come off sounding like I'm some you know debunker jerk because I'm not. I will listen to anyone and I will you know gladly hear your 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 story and I'll and I'll gladly you know. Um, uh, I'll gladly take in sort of what you have to say. Um, where I draw the line is where people tell me they know things, right? Like this is a fact. They would say, I know this is real because, you know, X. Well, if X isn't good enough, I'm going to sort of draw the line and be like, okay, well, hold on. That's not a fact. That's that's your opinion or that's your hypothesis or that's a theory-ish. Um, but it's nothing more than that. Like you don't have the hard data to support your your claim here. So ultimately some of this stuff you have to kind of take with, you know, it's a story or it's an anecdote and that's fine, but make sure you admit that sort of coming in. Don't oh. sit there and tell me it's real. Sorry, go ahead. I'll say just one thing about MUFON, which I mentioned before, and we'll go on. And that is that MUFON's been around since 1969. It was originally a splinter group right? that split off from APRO. This is Coral and Jim Lorenzen's group. And I know that Coral Lorenzen was kind of a difficult person to get along with, so maybe that's a reason, their personality there. It was originally going to be a Midwest UFO group, Okay. Midwest UFO Network. And then later on it became mutual because Midwest was restrictive. End of MUFON. Let's look at your chapter for UFOs reframing the debate. It's called UFOs and Modern Capitalism, Dissent, Disenfranchisement, and the Fringe. Now, I wanted to ask you one particular thing in the chapter, and this gets to paragraph two. And I want to start this off because it sounds to me interesting. As I was drafting this essay, I was reminded of John Carpenter's satirical sci-fi film, They Live, that's from 1988, in which drifter John Nada, or Nada, don't remember how it was pronounced. Nada, it's Nada. John Nada, played by Roddy Piper. That's the wrestler, by the way. I think he's dead mm-hmm. now, but he's a wrestler. One of the, He was trying to do what... Of course, Dwayne Johnson did successfully become an actor. Stumbles upon sunglasses that allow him to see the world for what it truly is. Tell us why you're using this film and its influence in connection with this chapter. Sure. So I think when we sort of look at the world around us, and, and more importantly, well, not more importantly, but more specifically when we look at the UFO question, um, it is fundamentally governed by ideology. It's it's the UFO debate, the UFO phenomenon is is a phenomenon of sort of belief, and it's a phenomenon of um, sort of different sort of human constructed sort of constructs and, and mechanisms and ideologies. Um, 
in the film they live um john nada put finds these sunglasses and he puts them on and and the sunglasses show him uh sort of the reality behind the illusion they show him that um you know his world is sort of being governed by this alien race that is sort of stripping the planet of its resources um, and sort of shipping it off world back to sort of their own home world. Um, and they're basically sort of robbing um, humanity without humanity knowing. And these aliens have sort of placed themselves in, in positions of power. They're sort of the president of the United States. They're uh, in various sort of their CEOs of major banks, of major oil companies, weapons manufacturers, whatever. They're sort of the people within the corridors of power. Um, and then they're sort of these, these – these, they're these perfect capitalists, right? They sort of strip the planet of everything and they, they ship it back home. Let's continue sure. with the philosophy behind the movie They Live. M.J. Benias – Gene Steinberg, Kirk Collins, you're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. It's been said any society is only three missed meals away from chaos. Those times may be near. Think about it. Our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from Russia and North Korea. Social unrest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns. And our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack. When the chaos from any one of these threats arises, the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency. That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where my Patriot Supply comes in. Get a four-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. 99 bucks for four weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. Preparewithgcn.com. This is Dan Pilla. Do you have the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. 
Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. MJ Benias talking about his chapter for UFOs reframing the debate. Another fellow author is Kirk Collins. We'll talk a little bit about his contribution later. I'm looking at a chapter subheads like going down the rabbit hole. So we have a situation here where it's almost like a secret government run by aliens controlling everything. And you know, in reality now, they actually have theories that there's a secret world government going on. And they could be called the International Bankers or Illuminati. But John Carpenter puts this in the hands of aliens. But how different is that from what we sometimes see as a conspiracy theory about how the world is run? And and this is sort of, I think, the point of the of of my essay. I um, when when I thought about they live. Um, you know, you have this man who's who finds these sort of magic sunglasses that that allow him to see the the truth, I guess, behind the lie. Uh, shortly after the the, sep- the section that you read, I sort of explain, you know, ultimately there are no sunglasses. We cannot pierce sort of the veil of our own ideology. We can't um, leave uh, the environment we live in. We can't leave our experiences behind. All of the, the sort of the social and cultural baggage that we've accumulated from birth, whether from our parents or from school or from, you know, our churches or temples or from, um, you know, just living within sort of a city or, or, or a rural area or wherever we are, um, we've sort of become inundated with ideology. We, we live our lives on a daily basis, totally surrounded by sort of this, this reality we've created for ourselves. We don't have the ability to remove ourselves from this uh, sort of ideological world we've created for ourselves. Um, one, when we start looking at the UFO question, um, we quickly start to, to bump into um, 
ideologies that oppose our sort of our popular and mainstream ideologies. You know, UFOs and and the idea of the UFO and the idea of the intelligent other, the alien, is very countercultural. Um, it it throws under the bus everything sort of you and I have agreed to when it comes to how we live our lives. Um, you know, we have sort of all agreed that you know it's good to have a job. We've sort of all agreed that. Um, you know, one should buy a car and buy gasoline for that car and, you know, drive it to work every day and, and, and do these things. We've all agreed that, you know, television and cell phones or, or smartphones now, I guess, and the internet, they, these are all sort of normal things that, that sort of are part of real life, quote unquote. Um, the UFO question takes all that and kind of flips it on its head. Um, the UFO question very much challenges um, these social power systems and these ideologies that we have for ourselves. It challenges these constructs. Um, and it basically says like, you know, really, you think this is real life? And, and, um, it, it forces us to re-examine, um, our, it forces us to re-examine the way we sort of deal with the world around us on a regular basis. Um, I tied in the aspect of, capitalism, um, only because capitalism itself has become an ideology. It, it really governs the way we perceive our world. I mean, and, and not only that, the system of capitalism sort of economically and ideologically exists worldwide. There is no country right now on this planet that functions outside of a capitalist model. You know, you have some countries that would claim they're communist, for example, China. But in reality, China is about as communist as, you know, the United States is communist. Um, they have free markets. They have, you know, enterprise, just like, you know, the Americans do. Um, so even sort of the, the, the biggest players on the planet who even say they're, they're communist really aren't. They're, they're primarily capitalist. Since we're sort of all governed by this system of, of thinking and the system of, of how we live our lives on a daily basis, because UFOs question this ideology, because UFOs kind of look at capitalism and say, you know, you're, you're not necessarily sort of the be all and the end all, capitalism just by being a system needs to um, place the UFO topic into sort of the fringe of culture. Um, it, it, this is why UFO the UFO discourse is not talked about daily on the news. Uh, it's why it's not talked about sort of regularly in conversation at, at the dinner table. Capitalism has done a very good job, very sort of insidiously good job of, of relegating the UFO subject to sort of the cultural fringe. It's not gotten rid of it totally because it can't, but it can kind of say we're not going to talk about this. And they do this by a lot of ways, right? They do this in media. You know, every time the news covers a UFO story, you know, the X-Files music plays, the anchors, you know, grin stupidly, and they typically make fun of uh, the people who, you know, have had UFO experiences. You know, they get Bill Nye to come on and openly attack believers in, in UFOs. They get, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson to show up and, and talk about, you know, the UFO question, or Carl Sagan back in the 70s. You know, I, I think you have literally this war of ideologies occurring with the UFO topic. And that's really what my essay is about. But the problem is that the UFO topic itself, the UFO discourse itself, the, when you and I talk about UFOs, we talk about it ideologically as well. It's not like we have the truth, for example. We don't have access to some special objective true reality or, or some real version of it. We're just as ideological as the other side. But it's kind of this clash of ideologies, um, and that's kind of what the essay tries to get through and why this is happening. And I don't want to spoil it. 
that's kind of a good introduction. So if you're interested in, in sort of political science and you're interested in economics and you're interested in, in philosophy and UFOs, this is your wheelhouse. If you're not interested in any of that, as one Amazon review says, skip it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you a little bit about so well, you mentioned the reviews. So there, there have been some good reviews, oh, yeah. and there's also been some resistance from people who seem to refuse to read it. So uh, have you read the comments from the, the people who've been putting the book down without reading it? The beauty about my essay, and I'll be honest here, the beauty about my essay is it doesn't deal necessarily with sort of aliens. I don't really talk about the alien question or the UFO question in a direct sense. So my essay does not necessarily concern itself with whether UFOs are real or not, or, or whether, sorry, aliens are real or not, or interdimensionals or not. Like, I don't really focus on that. My expertise is in culture. My academic expertise is in, is in sort of cultural studies and, and theory. So I really like looking at the UFO question, not necessarily as sort of what is going on with the aliens or the UFOs, I like looking at the UFO question from sort of the human side of things. Why do we address the UFO question as a taboo question? Why do UFOs cause sort of cultural anxiety for people to the point where we don't want to talk about them in polite conversation? Why do people sort of look at you strangely when they find out that you're into this subject matter and go, oh, really, you're into that? That's kind of weird. You know, like, why is that their reaction? So this is my sort of expertise within UFO discourse. I, I, that's kind of where I dwell. You know, I'll still talk about aliens and I'll still talk about, you know, my hypotheses, I suppose, my opinions on the UFO subject matter, like, you know, what they are or what I think they are or whatever. But the problem is I can't really prove any of my opinions, right? I, I have hypotheses that I don't really have evidence for. Well, I suppose that burst of honesty may not appeal to some of the people who are looking into ET and perhaps some of the people who expect some sort of immediate disclosure. But so what? We've got MJ, Benias, Gene Steinberg, Kurt Collins, our guest co-host. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. My husband says, you are what you eat. Not true, dear. I did my research. Actually, you are what you can absorb. So I didn't feel the vitamins and supplements I was taking were effective. I didn't feel any different. Then I switched to Protovite, a liquid multivitamin, mineral, and phytonutrient complex. And wow, you've got to see the video at TrueHealthFacts.com. That's TrueHealthFacts.com. Then call 502-410-3411. Protovite is nutrition you can feel. Protovite is nutrition that gets in. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Within 15 minutes of registration, care your family can afford. Revolutionizing the healthcare industry, virtual consulting, providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices. GCNTelecare.com, virtual care anywhere. Have you racked up more than $10,000 in credit card debt? Are you barely getting by, making minimum payments? You should know. The credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. 
Credit card companies would rather you didn't know that there are ways you can become debt-free and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. There are debt relief programs that help people like you escape overwhelming credit card debt. National Debt Relief has helped tens of thousands of people just like you reduce more than $500 million of debt. National Debt Relief has helped so many people, they're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. You don't have to declare bankruptcy or take out a consolidation loan. You have the right to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a large portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-314-7417. 800-314-7417. That's 800-314-7417. Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-765-9681 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-765-9681. Again, that's 800-765-9681. Message and data may apply. Hi, I'm Frank Thomas. When I was playing ball, they called me the big hurt. But after I left the game, Mother Nature started putting a big hurt on me. I just couldn't stay in shape like I used to. Turns out, it wasn't my fault. Once you hit 40, your body has less free testosterone, and that can make it harder to get into shape. But luckily, I found out about Nugenics. Nugenics is a unique man-boosting formula powered by Testofen, a patented key ingredient clinically researched to help boost your free testosterone levels. Get a complimentary bottle now by texting PRIME66 to 321321. With Nugenics, you can feel stronger, leaner, with a lot more stamina and energy. And guys, she'll like the difference too. Nugenics is GNC's number one selling men's vitality product. Get a complimentary bottle now by texting PRIME66 to 321321. Nugenic samples are not available in stores. So again, text PRIME66 to 321321. Hi, it's Grant Cameron from presidentialufo.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So we're focusing on another contributor to the book UFOs, Reframing the Debate, M.J. Benias. And our co-host is someone who is yet another contributor, Kurt Collins. Kurt, do you want to continue the questioning? Well, sure. I wanted to ask uh, 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 M.J. about how Robbie came to find him and how the the topic was chosen. Uh, whether this was what he had asked for, you know, how did, how, how did this come together? You know, good grief. It was so, you know, it's funny how it's, it was, it's been almost a year. Like it's crazy how long it takes. You know, I think the way it worked out was I was on a podcast with Ryan Sprague, who's another 
contributed to this um, book, and he wrote his own book recently called Somewhere in the Skies. It's it's it's, it's good. You should check it out. But I was on a, one of his. I was on a radio show with him, or a podcast rather, and we started talking. And this subject came up. We started um, sort of going back and forth on why we thought the UFO question was taboo. Why you know it's not talked about in sort of mainstream polite society. And I think Robbie just by happenstance, you know, saw the link on Facebook or something and he started listening to it and he really sort of liked where it was going. And he sent me a message through Facebook saying like, you know, we're listening to your podcast, really great, whatever. And then it, it like through some weird synchronicity, I had recently heard him on a podcast about his novel or rather his book, Silver Screen Saucers. So it was almost like this weird moment where I was going to message him literally that day and he messaged me first. And he sort of had this idea for this book and he said, you know, would I be willing to contribute? So he just said, you know, it just write me an essay, you know, 5,000 words. And I was like, okay. So <laughs> I sort of dove into my um, realm of sort of background knowledge and, and I started to sort of think about the conversation Ryan and I had on his show. And uh, it kind of just happened. I, I kind of just sat down and, and I was playing around with a whole bunch of different ideas on, on where I wanted to go maybe and, and what I wanted to talk about. Um, and it was funny, my first topic that I was actually going to pick. So I was sitting there and I started writing it. Actually, I started writing my first essay and it, it never happened. It never came into um, existence. But I was going to argue that ufology uh, and the study of UFOs should separate itself from the study of extraterrestrials and interdimensionals and whatever. And I sort of said the two are separate things. And I was going to try and argue that ufology has no business dealing with aliens and the people who study aliens and, and sort of that side of, of the equation have no business dealing in ufology in, in the study of like objective UFOs. Um, and as I started writing it, I realized I couldn't support my thesis in any way. Like I was, it started becoming total nonsense and I was like, this is a joke. So I just deleted the whole thing. And I sort of had to sit around and, and think about it for a few more weeks until I, it sort of popped into my head and it just sort of came into existence. And I think, I don't know, I, I think I did a pretty good job, but that's me and I'm the writer, so I'm pretty biased, but it just sort of happened through happenstance, I, I, random chance. Well, for my essay, it was an assignment, and uh, Robbie asked me to write about the uh, the story of the Roswell slides, the investigation by the team that exposed it, and to put the whole thing into perspective, so I, I wrote it almost as a, a mystery story where, where you could enjoy it from a Colombo point of view. If you knew where the story was going, you would be interested in the motivation of people and how it happened. And, and then if you didn't, I, I tried to save some of it so that, you know, as it happened, you you would understand it. So, but I think it's a, it's a good documentation of events, but what I intended to write instead was the way that um, the, the UFO topic is, is sort of, Treat, treated as a, a more of a marketplace and how the ideas are, are treated as entertainment and you know for a lot of people that's all it is and and then I, I realized this case of the Roswell slides was the perfect example for this anyway so I wound up you know back where I started but I, I think Robbie did a great job representing a number of viewpoints and you know he's mentioned that some of them are in, in direct opposition to one another so I think he did a, a great job of collecting people and then also the way it you know it's almost like uh, the book itself is put together almost like a musical piece and it's there are definitely some peaks and valleys and and there's some this challenging did, did you find any piece in there that um, 
that um, opened your eyes or made you angry or challenged you <laughs> in any way? One thing that sort of a lot of the pieces focused on, and, and this is, <clears throat> I think, where the book is garnering sort of significant attention, is um, there's a significant sort of contingent of people who who sort of ha- have basically said, you know, why do we think it's extraterrestrials, right? This sort of, there's a very uh, sort of significant anti ETH sort of flair to this this collection of books, right? Um, and I think a very interesting one was was by Greg Bishop, where he sort of explained and extrapolated more on his co-creation hypothesis. Um, and it actually led me to sort of explore his ideas a little further and, and write a few blog posts about the co-creation hypothesis from a, a philosophical bend, using sort of established philosophy um, and uh, how potentially our perception of an intelligent other would shape it into something that you and I can see and touch and feel, right? So just to, to make it simple, there are no grays. Um, you simply interpret the intelligent other to be a gray. Um, just sort of boil that down fast. And I found that really interesting because, again, there's sort of a, there's a lot of established philosophy for this idea. So I found his interesting, and it sort of wrote – I wrote a bunch of blog posts about it, sort of taking his idea and trying to kind of shoot it in all these different philosophical directions. And I would say I had a lot of pushback. Like a lot of people were, got really mad at me about these posts, I think, because they were – questioning, you know, what the hell do you know? You were never abducted. And, and there are sort of all the people who sort of had, uh, you know, alleged alien experiences sort of um, really fought me on that one. So I think that was a good one in that it just caused a lot of thinking and a lot of maybe opinion to come out. And that's good. You know, it caused a lot of debate and discussion to occur. Um, so so that was definitely an interesting one. Um, but I have to be honest, I, I, I've read all of them. I've read the book. Um, I have to be honest, they're all terrific. Like th- This is a collection of people who are are incredibly intelligent. And, and even though we all disagree, and, and it's funny, like the vast majority of us, you know, we, we sort of see eye to eye on certain things, but we don't see eye to eye on everything. I think we all respect each other. I think that's one thing that sort of definitely shines, um, especially once we, we're all sort of, if we're all ever on air together on a podcast or whatever, you really find even the people who are like diametrically opposed respect each other immensely. Um, so that's that's kind of another aspect of the book I really like is, is the author, authors sort of generally like each other um, in, in, in most of the time. <laughs> if I if I had been editor of the book, I would have made room for an old essay by uh, John Keel. I'm not really a John Keel fan at all, but. Have you read his piece, uh, The Flying Saucer Subculture? You know, I feel like I've read portions of it. Um, you know, I, I'm sorry. I have probably read pieces of it in for like to, for my personal work to, you know, in my blog. But I'm not sure if I've sort of sat down and read it as one piece. I may have just sort of stripped pieces of it. Um, so I'm going to say I haven't read it. I have, in a sense, you know what I mean. Well, it's it's great. If 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 uh, the listeners haven't read it, that that is on your required reading list, and you know it'd be a worthy worthy addition to the to this book you know, if it were to be able to be included. But one of the, one of the things that Keel did was he was there for the beginning of UFOs. He was uh, mm-hmm. he was there as a as a fan of uh, Ray Palmer's Amazing Stories. Uh, he was writing fan letters, and he saw the transition of. Uh, 
Oh, what would you really call it? Oh, it was sort of a, a mystical side of things, like the Borderland yeah. Scientist Group. He saw this this develop, and, and you know that came first, and then people saw flying saucers, and it sort of was all put together. And and um, then Donald Kehoe, of course, went with this strictly nuts and bolts materialistic yeah. viewpoint. But there's uh, there's this at least those two parts is kind of a, a twin nature of ufos that are that have been battling ever since and you mentioned that the mufon's having the struggle now let's break it here and we'll go on co-host kurt collins i'm gene steinberg mj benias joins us more to come you're in the paracast you are listening to gcn Visit GCNlive.com today. Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features and most important, It's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. The answer to being in control of your own health care is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self-pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and $347 for families. Choose from three health sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. If you had purchased $100 of Bitcoin in 2010, today you'd have $2,600,000. While that sinks in, you now have a huge cryptocurrency opportunity trading at a guaranteed $0.07 per coin. ProCoin, a coin publicly traded in the open market, easily converted to cash, available in 60 countries, and ProCoin is the only cryptocurrency offering coin-back rewards for consumers and merchants. Take action by June 30th at ProCoinCurrency.net. That's ProCoinCurrency.net. Deadline for $0.07 guarantee is June 30th. Time to go for our family walk. Uh, just let me nap a little longer. You promised we'd get more active. I know, I know. How come you're so ready to it's go? Superberries Aronia Berries. Aronia what? Aronia Berries from Superberries.com. They're known for having one of the highest levels of antioxidants that helps with overall wellness. Where'd you get them? I ordered them from Superberries.com slash radio. And right now we can get a free smoothie recipe book with our order. Plus we can save $4 at checkout. I can't wait to try them. I'll get the dog. I'll get the kids. <laughs> Choose health. Eat purple. Superberries.com. 
Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap, even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed; it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. Interesting dialogue there between Kurt and MJ on the Paracast this week. Kurt? We didn't have time for a lot of questions in the forums, but I did have one from uh, Red. Uh, first, he says, uh, I just bought the book. I thought the last two shows were fantastic. I enjoyed the folkloric and sociological aspects of ufology and look forward to exploring the ideas presented by the authors, some of whom are new to me. Uh, alas, Benias is one who's new to me, so my questions are pretty basic. Was there something specific or an experience that prompted you to take a more philosophical approach to the topic of UFOs? You, you've kind of touched on that, but, uh, you know, was there... Um, was this just your background, or was there any any case that that challenged you that made you really want to, you know, apply philosophy to to the problem? Um, no, I, I don't think there was a specific experience. I think I think it's predominantly my academic background. A lot of my work in critical theory was focused on subcultures in, in university, so I, I I really enjoy the study of of. Um, these sort of um, movements that occur right within sort of within the fringes of, of mainstream culture and, and UFOs are very much sort of a subculture and, and I don't want to sort of come off as you know like it's not a, UFOs aren't a subculture in the sense like it's a bad thing we're just you know really the people who sort of exist within the UFO community we're, we're not really uh, you know in, in the core of, of mainstream culture, we're definitely, you know, off to the side there. Um, so no, I think it was just my academic background, but as I was getting into sort of uh, the field work of investigating UFO sightings and, and as I sort of started to interact with more people who, um, uh, you know, had sightings or more people who were in the field, just researchers like myself, I started to realize, um, that we all kind of buy into the same stuff, right? We all kind of uh, take leaps of belief or logic um, towards certain sort of destinations. And this is really how a subculture exists, right? It's a sort of a shared 
um, grouping of people, or sorry, it's a, a grouping of people rather who have a shared sort of belief system. Really, if that's just to boil it down, just keep it simple. And and really, the UFO community does have a shared belief system. Um, we don't necessarily all agree with each other all the time, but we all know what everyone else is talking about, and we can at least have conversations about it because we all know what we're talking about. Um, so that was kind of where I got interested in it, is, is very quickly I'd established in my own mind that the UFO community is a subculture. And then from there, as I started applying kind of the, the philosophy and, and the theory that I learned in, in, in university and, and in my academic career to it, I started to realize how, how, how it sort of fit into um, sort of my background in philosophy. So um, that's really the, the reason. It, it's also kind of niche. I got to be honest. The other thing that kind of led me down this path is um, I quickly realized no one else was doing what I was doing. Like, there's not many people out there who sort of do UFO philosophy. Not many. Um, I can maybe count on like one hand. So um, this was interesting for me because, again, you know, everyone's doing UFO research and it all kind of sounds the same most of the time. Um, this was a little different. Um, the problem with being different is no one reads you. So, <laughs> um, uh, you know, that's that's the cross I have to bear, right? You know, I, I'm not going to sort of have the same following as the Richard Dolans and the um, – who's that Greek guy from Ancient Aliens? Um, <laughs> whatever. You know, I, I'm not going to have that kind of following because I'm not kind of – I'm not really – going down the same path that they are, um, which is the path to fame and glory and money and, and, um, you know, I don't know what else being at conferences. I don't know. It's a little more niche. I'm the niche within the niche. That's where I, that's where, that's why I chose it, I guess. Well, I've got a, I've got a few more, uh, submitted questions here. If we can yeah, great. continue. Um, uh, Jeremiah Duggar asks, hmm. Uh, you often take a philosophical approach to UFOs, and this may be a question about epistemology, the difference between knowledge and belief. And before we go on with the question, you know, did, do you have any uh, uh, anything to, oh, uh, you know, just uh, as far as epistemology, there's, um, so how do we know what we know about UFOs? Yeah, and that, that is a big question, right? And, and, you know, do we have objective knowledge on the UFO question? Like, do we actually possess sort of anything that we can fundamentally say is objective um, that exists outside of our interpretation? You know, there's not much, you know, there's not much sort of smoking gun evidence out there. Um so, you know, if I had to sort of put a number, which, which is, this is, this is very, I'm being very philosophically lazy here, but if I just sort of place a number on, you know, knowledge versus belief here, I would probably say the UFO question is maybe 2% knowledge and 98% belief. Cause what we do have is very limited. Um, it's fundamentally, I think, uh, a system of belief, um, the UFO question. So it's a system of ideology. Um, and ideologies, and there's tons of them. Um, so maybe that that's kind of where I would stand on that. Now, it sounds to me here, MJ, that the field consists in large part of people reinforcing each other's belief. Uh, of course. I mean, the, the whole UFO 
debate is this constant, not only reinforcing belief, but just reinforcing the ideologies that exist within those beliefs, right? That it's, you know, aliens from another planet, or there's multiple races, or there's conspiracy theories, or there's a secret space program, or there's, um, you know, secret government organizations that are reverse engineering alien technology that crashed in Roswell in 1947. Like, these are all ideologies. These are not um, sort of objective ideas, or sorry, objective sort of truth claims that that someone can make they're, they're it's a system of beliefs right and we have to take a lot of leaps in logic to get from um you know one step of the equation to the next in the ufo question um so of course yeah there's tons of reinforcement the fact that roswell is still talked about i think is a great example of that um you know uh really what do we what objective knowledge do we have concerning roswell epistemologically what do we know about roswell not very much if you really look at the actual hard evidence you know what do we have in hand that we can wave in front of everyone and say look what we have um and and what have we built for ourselves what are the stories we've told ourselves what are the 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 reinforced beliefs and ideologies that we've made for ourselves that have made roswell something um roswell is this beautiful example of ideology gone awry um you know nobody really cares that we don't have like the crashed flying saucer from roswell on public display no one could care less it's the fact that we believe it's happening Right. And our belief that it happened or our belief that this sort of conspiracy exists or whatever it is, that has made it true, um, at least ideologically true, maybe not objectively true. Well, well we've I- been disassembling Roswell quite a bit over the past year on this show. And I know that Kevin D. Randall, who once was yeah. a devout Roswell believer, has recanted some of his certainties. Well, you know, the problem is this. I, I talk about this in a, in a, in a blog post, my, mo- my most recent blog post. I don't talk about Roswell, but I talk about sort of the UFO question as being hyper real, especially when it comes to aliens. Is, and I think what, we, what we've done with Roswell is we've made Roswell um, a hyper reality. We can't separate the fact or the, 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 the facts of Roswell from the stories about Roswell. We can't separate them at all. They, they've become one thing. So when we talk about Roswell, anytime we say the word Roswell, we automatically bring to the table all of this baggage with us that, that Roswell has from, um, you know, Nick Redfern's most uh, sort of, you know, recent thing that it's some sort of, um, uh, it was like a Japanese test pilots or something. I don't remember what his book was, um, but he makes the claim that it was like like a you know Operation Paperclip in a sense, but you know with with um, post war sort of Japanese POWs or something, um, all the way to a crash flying saucer, all the way to Project Mogul and it's just a balloon, uh, all the way to you know the fact that Roswell was not even a thing. Nothing happened at Roswell. It actually didn't happen there. It happened you know at Dolce. So. You know, there's we have all of these different theories and, and ideas of, and these stories, and really that's all they are. They're stories about what happened at Roswell, and and we can't separate those stories from the re, the reality of the situation, the capital R reality of the situation. The stories have become the reality, and, and this is why Roswell is sort of hyper real. It's 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 because 
it, it doesn't matter what actually happened at Roswell. It really doesn't. Not anymore. Huh. Let's get into more of that in our next segment. We've got MJ Benias, Gene Steinberg, Kurt Collins. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. If you go to store.theparacast.com, stop by and take a shopping tour. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original and most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Being self-reliant is about being prepared and to do what you need to have your own source of renewable energy. Portable Solar LLC offers the most powerful EMP-hardened solar system on the market that is transportable from place to place, and the best part, it's very affordable. Contact them at PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875. Soul Arc EMP-hardened solar generator, energy insurance for your family or business. Call Portable Solar LLC today or go to PortableSolarLLC.com to check out their patent-pending technology. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. As we progress through the final four segments of the Paracast, first of all, Chris O'Brien is on his way to the Utah Fest, an event we'll hear about probably in the next couple of weeks. We want to remind you that we have another radio show. It's called After the Paracast. To hear that show, you've got to subscribe to the Paracast Plus at plus.theparacast.com. When you go there, we give you the sign-up instructions. It's $1.49 a week. Half the price of a Starbucks coffee. And you also get the commercial-free <laughs> version of this show. You like that deal, huh, guys? Definitely. No, it's un- so unfortunate as we progress and look at the culture, that Roswell is the linchpin UFO case of the ages that started in such a strange way that it happened, and then they said, it's only a balloon, and then 30 years later, people wake up as if they were asleep, and suddenly Roswell is a thing. 
because somebody talked to Stanton Friedman at some kind of meeting and they follow it up and William Moore is involved and they get Charles Berlitz, who never met a fake story he couldn't promote. I knew Charles Berlitz and he had this twinkle in his eye and he said to me, I'm as honest as the day is long. And you know, when someone says that to you, what he's really telling you. Who wants to take it from here? I can say a couple of things about Roswell because uh, it got all the press. But uh, I've got a friend, uh, Ivan DeFoy, and he's going back and, and examining these old uh, newspaper stories. And uh, they're fascinating, especially, you know, many of these you've read bits about in UFO history. But a couple of things that in this surrounding uh, Roswell era, uh, they were finding uh balloons all over the place or the the Rowan targets and people were saying hey this is a flying saucer well they didn't make national headlines but they were in the papers and that wasn't the only time there were false alarms a few years later they found these disc-shaped aircraft in a barn and it, it turned out a guy had been been you know was a failed aircraft experiment in the 30s but nevertheless they said secret of the flying saucers found but since that was definitely traced to a, an inventor it wasn't something that a ufologist could unearth and say that you know later that hey this was the the alien cover up so it almost reminds me of the old uh, um uh, Dewey defeats Truman headline. It was a premature story, and that's about it to me. Uh, I, the, the thing I will just toss this to MJ. One of the core beliefs in the study of UFOs was it was Donald Kehoe didn't establish this, but he popularized it, and that was the nation of a cover-up. And the belief in a cover-up is as central as anything about aliens. And, you know, even some people who uh, who uh, don't follow UFOs believe that the, the government is capable of some, some massive conspiracy cover-up. And, and I think a lot of cases, well, it becomes, if there's no evidence, that proves the cover-up is real. Right. No, I- proves it because they're basically covering it up so we can't see it. So since we can't see the evidence, it's covered up. It's like a circular yeah. theory. Yeah. This is the ultimate problem with conspiracy theories, right? Is again, it doesn't matter what the truth is, right? It doesn't actually matter what the reality of the situation is. It's all that baggage you bring to the table. If you sort of believe in the conspiracy, it's going to continue to spin sort of over and over and over again. And just in, you know, it's just going to take different shape. The UFO community and, and the UFO subculture and, and sort of UFO discourse in general, conspiracy is a huge component of it. It would be very interesting to think about. What UFO discourse, what UFO debate would look like if everyone trusted their government, right? Like, can you imagine what the UFO world would sort of talk about if there was no ideology of conspiracy? Um, It would be a totally different conversation. We wouldn't be talking about Roswell. Roswell would be a a non-issue, right? Because again, Roswell hinges upon the conspiracy. Um, You get rid of that, there's nothing. Um, and this is sort of a lot of UFO cases, and this is a lot of UFO speculation, a lot of UFO theory. It a lot of it hinges upon the conspiracy from with the government or, or some shadow government or whatever. I, I can't I can't even imagine what the UFO sort of community would do if, if for some reason you know magically everyone trusted the government. You know what would happen to UFO discourse? Where would it go? Um, what would it look like? I don't know. That's, that's an, it's an interesting thing to think about. 
Well, part of the problem there is this entire scenario was painted early on when the field was more or less established in the days of Major Mm -hmm. Donald Kehoe. He was going around talking about a silence group that people within the government were hiding the secret of the UFOs. And I thought charitably that maybe what happened here is when the UFOs were first being seen, regardless of the truth, they didn't know what they were. And you couldn't have the government saying, you know what, we don't know what those things are, but they don't appear to represent a threat and leave it at that. They couldn't say that. So you have then the conspiracy goes out of Kehoe. So many people read those books. I read those books. A lot of people did. And those who were influenced simply spread the story. It's kind of like with Roswell. Once the first Roswell book came out, people started looking into it. And then you had a whole bunch of people and you built a whole cottage industry of Roswell. You have a whole cottage industry of disclosure. And even though it's way, way beyond what Kehoe intended... This is what the field has become. And it doesn't matter whether the government knows anything or not. If there are UFOs, it represents some kind of real phenomenon. It doesn't matter what they know. None of that matters. All we want to know is what's happening. And once we find that out, maybe we could look into the other things. The other problem is early on, this is another thing we've talked about on the PowerCast lately, Early on, it does appear the government was engaged in some experiments that were not too nice. And certainly that's something that Nick Redfern points to in his two books on Roswell, Body Snatchers in the Desert and the more recent book. And that's, you know, very unfortunate. It doesn't mean there's a UFO connection. It may also be the government takes advantage of the culture and uses UFOs as an excuse to hide something else. I wonder also in terms of abductions, and this is another one where they shoot me down, and that is, what about Betty and Barney Hill? They live near a military base in New Hampshire and probably could be candidates for some kind of experiment because the beings and the structure and the things that happen were in many ways different for their abduction than others. I mean, they didn't get in touch with gray aliens. They looked kind of human, didn't they? And their story emerged under hypnosis. So um, there's there's that factor to think about. So, you know, how much of the, the experience was, oh, part dream, you know, that, and that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier in the show, you know, their interpretation. If you have unpleasant memories, are you remember, remembering the event or is it your emotional interpretation? Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and that's kind of the to go back to that question. Right. You know, do they objectively these beings, whatever they were, do they objectively look like that or, you know, is our Betty and Barney Hill interpreting them to look like that? Because of, you know, some other reason, whether it's emotional or whether it's sort of previous experiences or or whether it's just, you know, maybe they interacted with something. Maybe something sort of did pick them up, some intelligent other, and simply the way they interpreted that thing to look was in this way. And they sort of provided, uh, a la co-creation from Greg Bishop, they sort of provided the reality for which this thing to kind of manifest itself. Um, so... Yeah, you know, it, it really could be anything. Um, it, I, to, just to quickly go back to Roswell, I, 
I'm going to ask you guys a question. Um, you know, what would Roswell be if when that envelope showed up in Stanton Friedman's uh, mailbox, uh, you know, if he just was like, nah, and he just kind of was like, it's probably nothing, and he threw it away, you know, and he never talked about it. You know, what would Roswell be today if that never happened? We're going to find out in our next segment with Gene and Kurt and MJ. You're in the Paracast. Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that. www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Are you drowning in debt? Are you struggling to make minimum payments? Did you know that on average a household with at least one credit card struggles with over 10000 in credit card debt? If this sounds like you, know that it's not your fault. Credit card debt happens to good people. Credit card companies lure you in with low introductory rates and low minimum payments. Before you know it, you're in over your head. We've helped thousands of good people just like you become debt-free with our Debt Reset Program that will dramatically reduce your debt down to a fraction of what you owe. Our Debt Reset Program is custom to get you debt-free in as little as 24 to 48 months with one low monthly payment. If you owe over 10000 in credit card debt or even personal loans, call 800-912-6177. There are no upfront fees or out-of-pocket expenses. You don't pay a dime until we succeed. Call now to see how the Debt Reset Program can work for you. 800-912-6177. That's 800-912-6177. Again, 800-912-6177. You've been hearing Dr. Wallach talking about 90 essential nutrients, keeping the body healthy. GCNteam.com now has Beyond Tangy Tangerine Tablets, 60 plant-derived minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, packed in a powerful tablet. But that's not it. 160,000 auric points, a knockout punch to free radicals. Call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. That's 877-878-4203. Message and data rates may apply. Warning, texting while driving is illegal just about everywhere. So if you want 2020 vision and you're driving, pull over when you can. Because a life-changing offer is just one text away. The LASIK Vision Institute is now offering absolutely free evaluations and dramatically low prices on high-quality LASIK. Text the word CLEAR88 to 350350 to get the latest FDA-approved LASIK technology for a fraction of what others charge. Text to schedule your free appointment to see if LASIK is right for you. Results may vary. Don't miss out. When you text CLEAR88 to 350350, you'll also get an extra 20% discount off our already low-cost services. We've already performed over a million procedures. Today, it's your turn. Discover how you can get the quality LASIK experience you've always wanted for a fraction of what others charge. 
charge. This great offer is just one text away. Text CLEAR88 to 350350. That's C-L-E-A-R 88 to 350350. Is that Ellen painting her garage? Yesterday she was trimming her hedges. What's her secret? I heard she was eating this new super berry called the Aronia Berry. Aronia what? Aronia Berries from superberries.com. They're known for having one of the highest levels of antioxidants that helps with overall wellness. Where can we get them? Go to superberries.com slash radio. And right now we get a free smoothie recipe book with our order. Plus we can save $4 at checkout. <laughs> I can't wait. I've got lots of projects I need to get done. Yes, you do. Choose health. Eat purple. Superberries.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. MJ Benias, Kurt Collins, Gene Steinberg. Notice I put my name last. But the interesting question asked in our previous segment on this episode of the Paracast, if Stanton Friedman hadn't jumped on Roswell, what would have happened? If Frank Scully didn't write this crazy book about Aztec, would they cover that? If Kenneth Arnold didn't report nine disc-shaped objects while flying his private plane near Mount Rainier, would there even be a UFO mystery? This is a big question. Kurt, I'm asking you. Okay, sure. Well, you know, uh, Gene has expanded the question, so now it's a real head-scratcher. Um, yeah. I think, uh, you know, to answer the, the original question, if not for Stanton Friedman calling attention to it, no, I don't I don't think that anyone would have dragged it up. You know, I mentioned those other headlines that were false alarms, and I think it would probably remain in, in that category. It was mentioned in a couple of books. As a mistake, so it would it would stand there. But so then we have to ask, what would rise to take its place? So you know, would an, would another case, uh, you know, something something newer? I mean, and Roswell stands uh, stands alone in a case that was retroactively important. Most everything else was recognized and had contemporary news coverage. You know, the Socorro case was reported. Uh, uh, it was in the news the evening that it happened. I mean. A lot of these things received immediate attention and immediate investigation, you know, whether it was competent or not. So it could be there would be something like that. But no, I I think Roswell would have been left in the dust. I think the interesting thing then, you know, when we think about how mainstream culture perceives the UFO question and, and what the mainstream sort of culture knows about the UFO sort of world if you go to sort of any person on the street and you say the word Roswell, they've heard of it, right? And they've heard of it because the UFO crash, right? They'll, they'll sort of, or at least they'll say like, wait, isn't that like aliens or something? Like they'll, they'll kind of have that moment. You know, they'll generally know kind of a little bit about what you're talking about. And it's interesting that the entire UFO community sort of relies on this mainstream knowledge, that little bit of mainstream knowledge about UFOs, just, you know, to kind of keep us legitimate. And it's funny that it all chalks up to a Canadian who got an envelope and he decided to pursue it, right? It's interesting that, you know, like you said before, Gene, you know, Roswell is a sort of linchpin case for for the UFO community. It's interesting that it it literally was one man and and it was sort of a Canadian guy who who provided sort of the best American UFO case in in history and sort of made it to what it is today and, and has created this giant sort of ideological bubble that 
has influenced so much within the UFO community and, and within UFO culture and within even popular culture. You know, does he get credit for any of that? I'm just wondering, you know, does he go home at night and pat himself on the back? Gene, I have a, a question about, and, and this, you know, I don't want to talk about Roswell, but I do want to talk about it, its influence and timing, because as I understand it, I was around then, uh, but I wasn't paying much attention to the UFO scene. So what I want to know is, the way I hear it, is that with the ideas floating around from uh, the Hynix line of thinking and... Um, uh, Jean Valet and John Keel, and, and there was a lot of psychic thought, and so they were moving away from the nuts and bolts. You know that had been explored and was getting nowhere, and so these new ideas were coming in. And, and the way I hear it is that the Roswell came in to sort of rally this idea, and you know it was it was more like it was kind of like the Keyhoe thing, except. You know, here there was supposed to be little bodies and, and, and all these things that went way further. So can you, what, do you, what do you think about the way that, that changed and did it, did it hurt the questions that were being asked? Well, I understand here there was a UFO field before Roswell, obviously, because it didn't happen until the late 70s that this was rediscovered. It disappeared for 30 years until the book that bore the name of Charles Burlitz and William Moore and Stanton Friedman, even though he did a lot of the work, was kind of an afterthought. He got a credit. Hope he got some of the royalties. Before that, there was a UFO field. There was J. Allen Hynek. There was Sicaro, New Mexico. There were a lot of other cases that people were looking at. And I didn't even consider Roswell until the early 80s for one of a thousand reasons, because it took time for the book to get out, for other people to pick up on the Roswell incident, and then, of course, for the TV movie. That came. Before that, Roswell was not a serious factor, and we didn't consider it to be a serious factor. As I said, there were a lot of other cases we talk about. We talk about Washington, D.C., 1952. We'd bring up Arnold because it was the progenitor of a UFO case. We'd bring up Sicaro, New Mexico. We'd bring up sightings that APRO received from South America. So to me, Roswell was never important. And even when it was important, I had my concerns about MJ-12 and all this other baggage that accompanied the case. So if you want to say, would the UFO field still exist if Roswell was taken off the menu? Sure, because it did, because a lot of other things were happening. It's possibly a sidestep. Now, I think if we want to be conspiratorial, and I'll just do that for the heck of it, if somebody wanted to really mess up this field, they pushed the hell out of Roswell because it's a blind alley. Agreed. But, but it, the, the other part of that was, didn't it limit the type of investigation? I mean, instead of looking for these bigger ideas, we were looking for um, a locked hangar with a hidden Roswell craft. Well, you see, that's another part, too. Back in the 60s, in 65, Alan Greenfield and I were talking about alternate realities, multiverse, other possible theories. But that had been going on for a long time. You'd see connections with 4D and other possible phenomena in connection with UFOs. When Roswell really took control of the public's consciousness, it was already getting into the 90s. But even before that, I think there was a swing back to the ETH, mostly because... 
any coverage about UFOs that were received would be, oh, it's got to be spaceships. Look at the sighting flap in the early 1970s. I saw that head on, not the sightings, but the reports, because I was working at a radio station in the suburbs of Philadelphia in the early 70s. And when sightings were reported in Pennsylvania, I go out to cover them. I had a magazine on the subject. So, you know, we were keeping it up there. And we had this speculation, but I kind of agree that it sort of faded out as Roswell began to take over. But a lot of us never changed in our viewpoints. It's just that Roswell became such a 900-pound gorilla. Fewer people paid attention to things that were always going on. So there, I got to do our break, and then we'll go on with this kind of speculation. All right, I have to cough really bad, so I'm going to... Okay, so hold the cough and let's... we got 15 seconds. We'll hold the cough for 15 seconds if you can. We're like that. we got more to come. Of course, we're talking to MJ Benias, who refers to UFOs in more of a philosophical way. Kirk Collins, he was one of the Roswell Slide Study Group, and he covers that, of course, in the book UFOs Reframing the Debate with Gene and Kurt and MJ. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. You've heard the phrase, you are what you eat? Not true. Actually, you are what you can absorb. So if the vitamins and supplements you now take are not being absorbed, what good are they? Introducing Protovite, proprietary liquid system that allows premium quality nutrients to positively affect the blood in an astonishing five minutes. Watch our amazing two-minute live blood cell video at TrueHealthFacts.com. That's TrueHealthFacts.com. Then call 502-410-3411. Protovite is nutrition you can feel. Protovite is nutrition that gets in. Lifetime Gray's 100% grass-fed beef has the health benefits you seek. When compared to conventional beef, it offers good fats while virtually eliminating the bad. That's the result of cattle who never eat grain, ever. Rich in antioxidants, including vitamin E, C, beta-carotene, and CLA. No artificial hormones, antibiotics, or other drugs. For all our fresh, non-cooked products with only 100% grass-fed beef, go to MidasResources.com. Use voucher code GCN to get 30% off your order. MidasResources.com or find us on Facebook. Hi there, I'm Bob Eubanks. You know, as part of Hollywood for a long time, I've seen my fair share of celebrities get in trouble with the IRS. Well, there's one name I trust, the Tax Defense Group. They're the most trusted name in tax. So if you owe more than $10,000 to the IRS, you really need to call my friends at the Tax Defense Group. Ignoring the IRS is not the solution. They can garnish your paycheck, levy your bank accounts, seize your home or business. But the Tax Defense Group could put a stop to all of that and tailor a program that would reduce your tax debt to pennies on the dollar. you got to love that. So don't just take my word for it. Call them. Find out for yourself. They offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee. And they're open 24 hours a day because they know that tax debt doesn't sleep either. Call now for your free and confidential tax analysis from the most trusted name in tax. Call 800-361-6907. 800-361-6907. 
Hi, this is Ron Paul, former congressman and Republican presidential candidate. I love these summer months because this is when I get to enjoy the fresh fruits and vegetables that are being harvested on small farms and in our backyards. We all look forward to garden tomatoes and corn on the cob. Don't you wish there was a better way to preserve their true tastes and flavors? I'm here to tell you that there is a better way. It's by using the amazing home freeze dryer from Harvest Right. I have a Harvest Right freeze dryer and use it to preserve the foods I love. Strawberries, apples, and even lasagna and ice cream can stay fresh for 25 years. And the best part of my freeze drying is my family and I have a supply of long-lasting food on hand. So no matter what may come, we feel better prepared. We love our freeze dryer. To learn more, go to HarvestRight.com or call 800-923-9591. That's HarvestRight.com or 800-923-9591. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to mypillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's mypillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. This is Micah Hanks of the Gray Alien Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We are exploring cultural, philosophical aspects of the UFO mystery. Did Roswell kind of impede the search for the truth? M.J. Benias, Kurt Collins, Gene Steinberg. Kurt, you have more? This is uh, sort of a follow-on to what uh, uh, Jeremiah's question from earlier, and this uh, deals with, uh, we'll, we'll spin off from Roswell, but it deals with the lack of physical evidence. Uh, so often when heated debates erupt over persons or cases, there seems to be a logical fallacy in play. Why do you think this is prevalent, and how can it be overcome in a field so lacking in physical evidence? Maybe the logical fallacy is sort of the UFO phenomenon. <laughs> In in the case of physical evidence, you know, I, I agree. This is sort of a significant problem. I think the UFO community has sort of started to engage itself more with non-extraterrestrial hypothesis sort of discussions because of this lack of physical evidence, right? Um, <clears throat> it's easier to go to the more metaphysical experiences, the more mystical experiences. It's a lot easier to discuss, you know, universal consciousness or interdimensional beings, because ultimately you then don't need to justify the lack of physical evidence. You can simply say there is no physical evidence because, you know, they don't have any physical presence. They don't sort of exist within a physical realm you and I understand. And and we see this sort of shift. It's been around for a while, like don't get me wrong, but we definitely see sort of this movement um, towards that aspect of the UFO uh, sort of debate. 
you know, in regards to, you know, when you get into a heated discussion and people sort of ask, you know, are UFOs real or aliens or whatever, there is a, a sort of, a, it is a legitimate argument to say, well, you know, where's your evidence or where's your physical evidence? But this is a very, very sort of spooky phenomenon and it doesn't make sense. It, it's very nonsensical sort of all the time. So again, if we're dealing with sort of an intelligence that isn't necessarily physical like you and I are physical, you know, there might not necessarily be physical evidence. Uh, but again, I'm sort of speculating here and this is just, you know, I'm spitballing because, you know, ultimately I don't know. I, I don't have an answer. Um, the debate's going to rage until either, you know, we find a body or they land on the White House lawn, right? Ultimately, like it's going to have to be sort of some obvious um, show uh, uh, or manifestation that that kind of ends this debate potentially. Well, I want to return to something we touched on earlier, which was about the the experience of the witness and respect for him. Uh, I was looking at, at old um, accounts of sea serpents, and, and there were cartoons and newspapers in the 1800s about people making fun of the witnesses as uh, as drunkards and things like that so that some people seem to have the opinion that ridicule of ufo witnesses is is something new but they were ridiculing people for seeing fairies and leprechauns so that that's not really a new thing but you know so how do we show and can we show ufo witnesses respect well, certainly, hopefully we can as, as investigators, but, but what about the public? How can attitudes on that change? Wow. So I, I do touch on this in my essay. I, I, you know, I'm not sure if it will change. I think that there's a lot at stake here, especially when it comes to, you know, the sort of the current power systems that sort of govern our society. I, I, I think if we start looking at UFO witnesses and saying, you know, we as a whole, as mainstream society, respect your your opinion or we respect the fact that you were taken by aliens. I, I think this, this would be a, a major sort of shift ideologically. Um, we don't do this with other people, right? Like we, we're, we're not necessarily very good at treating sort of people who aren't abducted by aliens with respect, never mind treating, you know, those who are. So um, we're – Kind of, um, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. I, I honestly, I honestly don't. I think UFO culture has to exist on the fringe um, because if it becomes part of sort of the mainstream, um, it becomes kind of part of the general sciences, and it becomes sort of accepted as you know something that people are willing to talk about on a daily basis. And then I think sort of the UFO community or subculture sort of dies a death. You know, like it's not the same thing anymore. It becomes something fundamentally different. Um, I'm a firm believer in in sort of going back to the witness. Like personally, um, I think the witness is really the only thing we have when it comes to the UFO question. I think it's I think they're sort of the most important people within the UFO discourse because ultimately they're the ones having the experiences. Um, because there is no physical evidence, really ever, that allows them or sort of allows us rather to to have a clear image of what's going on. So um, I think the ridicule is is, is um, misplaced. Uh, I think the UFO witnesses and, and sort of the contactees or the abductees or whatever are really the people we need to be talking to um, because really they're our own, they're, they are our only kind of sight line to 
ever potentially finding an answer to the puzzle. Um, but will it ever sort of be accepted by the mainstream, or will they ever be accepted by the mainstream? I don't know. That's that's going to be a, that's a tall order. That's for sure. Well, one of the things that that have has bothered me is that I feel like a lot of times UFO investigators have been intrusive in the investigation and have influenced the witnesses. For example. Uh, we mentioned the Socorro case a few times, but Officer Lonnie Zamora saw this this object, and um, because it looked mechanical and there seemed to be footprints, it was investigated as a machine. But if if you listen to his testimony, he thought this was um, well. He referred to the devil. You know, he right. he thought this was a supernatural event. He was a religious man and. That comes into play in the Cash Lantern case, too. Uh, everybody's, you know, it's almost like, um, oh, you know, gearheads, uh, car fans. All they can think about is the vehicle. <laughs> it's it's not about what they and, – and some of these – what would if – what if – we might have gotten nowhere, but what if a um, – I wonder, what if Jacques Vallée or John Keel had arrived on the scene first and investigated it? You know, would we be talking about this as more of a supernatural event rather than um, a, a spaceship or or a secret project from uh, White Sands? Right, and you know, this is this is again, you know, we're we're kind of you know, I feel like we're circling kind of around the same thing here, and and, and we've sort of been circling around it for a while. It's it ultimately comes down to sort of the ideological baggage you bring into your experience, right? You know, what you carry in with you creates sort of the reality of the situation. You know, you're not necessarily, you know, shaping reality. I'm not making claims like that, but really your your interpretation kind of makes it real in a sense. So yeah, if if you had someone who interprets this situation an investigator who interprets it in a more spiritual or metaphysical way uh, of course you know the it's going to change the 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 event itself the the story of the event itself is going to change um, and this is a problem this is sort of i think where where at times sort of mufon fails and mufon field investigators at times fail they approach the subject with a preloaded set of this is what i think's going on and when that comes to the table, it's going to influence the witness. It's going to influence the case. It's going to influence the sighting itself and, and how that sighting is recorded and talked about. So, yeah, I, I think that is what happens. I agree with you sort of wholeheartedly in this. I can give you an example of a, of a really – this wasn't a trained investigator. This is from the case of the Roswell Slides. The, uh, we have 20 seconds. Just kind of preview it, and then we'll go into the final segment. I have an example from the Roswell slides about a bad investigator, but we'll save that for after the break. We've got Kurt Collins as our guest co-host, Chris O'Brien. He's on his way to the Utah Fest. We're going to have to find out what that's about. MJ Benias joining us for the first time. It won't be the last. A lot more to come. I'm Gene Steinberg. And you're not. No, that's not the way to do it. You're in the Paracast. For listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. If you go to store.theparacast.com, stop by and take a shopping tour. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. The answer to being in control of your own health care is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self-pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and $347 for families. Choose from three health sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP as slim as possible. 
Be prepared for the next disaster with the Shelter Pod. The Shelter Pod is a large, all-season, heavy-duty, quick-deploy shelter. The Shelter Pod system can be set up in 30 seconds and includes an emergency medical kit, water filter, survival tools, and more. Are you prepared to take care of your family? Do you have everything in one place ready to go? Get it now or enter to win a complete Shelter Pod system at shelterpod.com. The Shelter Pod at shelterpod.com. Shelter when you need it most. Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. Nobody remembers what that means. I'm Gene Steinberg and you're not. Um, whatever. Ah, I was there. You were there. I don't know where I was, but if I ever get there, it'll continue. <laughs> Kurt, you had something to begin with here. We were talking about the, the, the investigator intruding on the investigation or the witness's perception. And I had an example from the, the Roswell Sides fiasco. So the slides promoter, Adam Dew, went to uh, the last, supposedly the last living Roswell witness. And so he opens his laptop and basically says, hey, does this look like the alien you saw? Well, you know, that's like a botched um what do they call that? The subject photos, you know, that a police would show, you know, he, he would say, hey, is this the guy that did, a, you know, robbed your bank? You, you show a, a photo array and, and let them choose. And sometimes they, they do a trick and they don't even have the guy in there. You know, it's a test so that the person is actually looking and considering. But this was such a botched method. And the guy says, uh uh, yeah, that's pretty close. Uh, so, you know, that, that's terrible. So it's very easy, especially for a authority figure to come in and to sort of shape the witness's testimony and have uh, you, you saw a, a, a bright silver saucer, right? And they may get the witness to agree to him. And even some of the things that are passive, like we were talking about the the MUFON investigation, when you submit a witness report, there's this long questionnaire. And uh, as a test, I filled one out one time. I'd seen a shooting star. And I said, hey, this will be a good way to to kind of test the system. And I started reading and it said, you know, did you have any thoughts as this occurred? Or you know, did you have any feelings and things? You know, I didn't, but it start, It made me kind of question myself. And it was a person asking me that in a suggestive way. I might have agreed and said, well, yeah, I did have this feeling of oneness or, you know, and it wouldn't have been real. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of leading questions that can get you down that path. And that's a great example that you just mentioned, right? I think one of the questions concerns, did you have any physical discomfort or emotional sort of anxiety or whatever during the event? There's a sort of this question by witnessing the light in the sky, did you have a physical or physiological reaction to it? And that's a totally leading question, right? Because people would say, well, yeah, you know, next day I had a headache. So is that related? <laughs> I don't know. I asked Chris Rutkowski about what he felt like was the best UFO reporting form, and he said he didn't think there was one. He said, you need to give the witness the opportunity to tell their story. And, you know, once that's out, you can ask some further questions about it. But, you know, you're not trying to get them to work off a checklist. It's to reveal information, not shape it. Exactly. And and the, the problem is, you know, again, MUFON's, you know, alleged mission 
is to be scientific and it's to sort of collect data. So it has to sort of be done in an orderly fashion. Like, you know, you understand that, right? Like it has to be sort of in this checklist style system because otherwise, you know, how do you input data then into a database? However, you know, ultimately, what does all that data do? Right. You know, do we consider all of that data evidence, especially since, you know, the way it's collected and investigated is sometimes sloppy and, and, you know, we can't really sit there and say, yeah, no, this is, you know, hard and fast proof that, you know, UFOs are flying by and it's intelligent and whatever, you know, doing it the other way. Uh, allows for you know significantly more you know sort of honest witness testimony that isn't led by anyone. They're sort of just telling you what happened, I guess, or and, and you know potentially that could include how they felt. But ultimately, you know, the MUFON way doesn't necessarily sort of make more sense, or uh, you know, really, unless somebody has physical evidence, right? Unless somebody has something that's testable that we can recreate over and over and over again, or we can scrutinize in laboratory conditions or whatever, you know, what are we going to have? We're going to have a story, whether that story exists in a checklist uh, with with sort of data sets and data points, or whether that story exists just long form, this is my experience. You're collecting the same thing. You're just organizing it differently, I suppose. The MUFON way maybe does lead the witness a little bit because there's questions on the checklist that sort of need to be asked. But again, you had this strange experience, you had a headache the next day, you know, maybe it's connected. And then, you know, in your own mind, yeah, I guess it is connected. The UFO gave me a headache. Whereas in, you know, like I said, you might be a little more honest in the long form style, like in like, like as, as Chris says, right, this sort of just tell me what happened. But it hinges upon, you know, it all hinges upon the evidence. And, and if you don't have it, you have a great story that, you know, may have happened for all we know. But it's just a story, and and we can't sit here and and make truth claims about a story, unfortunately. So, you've read the other chapters in the book, UFOs reframing the debate. You've been inspired by the ideas. There's some criticism of the way investigations are done, but there's some uh, constructive ideas on how to move things forward. Do you think the future is in ideas, or if you had unlimited budget? Do, would you have a particular method of investigating? Oh, man. This is going to like – I think this might reveal a little bit like what I think. So I, I don't know. As a philosopher, I have to be careful here how I say this. Um, <laughs> I don't th- – whatever this phenomenon is, all right, whatever it is, and I, I'm not going to say that it's E.T. from another planet and I'm not going to say that it's you know some mystical intelligence or, or something. Whatever it is, it's it's strange and it's spooky, and 100% of the time, it doesn't follow the rules. So I'm not sure if if I had an unlimited budget and I sank it into an investigative organization, I don't think that investigative organization will ever have an answer. Only because with UFOs in general, every time we get sort of close, they get even further away. You know what I mean? They have to be unknown for them to exist. If you catch my drift, I think ideologically they have to be unknown. I think sort of as a belief, as something that we sort of believe in, they have to be unknown. Because if it's a if it's a known flying object, it's boring. Um, I don't think there will ever sort of be an answer to the UFO question. I, I think that is sort of the only truth claim I can make at this point in regards to the UFO question. I, I don't think we'll ever find out what's actually going on. Um, I think it's going to be a consistent puzzle that just keeps getting bigger and more pieces keep getting added with every sort of moment that goes by. 
So, Kurt, I'm going to have to answer your question with like this cryptic, we'll never have an answer, I think, answer. Yeah. <laughs> Kurt Collins, you've got a blog out there. Tell our listeners they want to find more of the things you do. Where do they check you out? My blog is called blueblurrylines.com. Okay, what kind of stuff do you have over there? Oh, well, I've got lots of articles investigating the Cash Landrum UFO case. Uh, that's a special point of interest to me. I've also got uh, a number of things uh, in, on the Roswell Slides investigation and just, you know, any other commentary that, that uh, strikes my interest. A lot of historical UFO details as well. And I'd like to point out that the JimMosley.com site, remembering a UFO mythmaker, pioneer, James W. Mosley, uh, is, is worth a look. There's lots of uh, photographs and articles there, too. That's JimMosley.com. MJ, where can we find more of your stuff? Uh, so I do write uh, for Mysterious Universe, uh, which is sort of a, a paranormal news site. Um, however, my true passion is is uh, on my own blog, and that's at www.terraobscura.net. And that's sort of where you can find my philosophical ramblings and rantings concerning the UFO question. You can find us on Twitter. Look for the Paracast. Look for the Paracast on Twitter. Look for a pair of Paracast fan clubs over at Facebook. And, of course, we want to remind you about the Paracast Plus. It's our premium package where we offer the After the Paracast podcast. And, by the way, Kurt Collins will be rejoining us on After the Paracast this week. Last week, we had Red Pill Junkie. A few weeks back, we had Monty Shriver, who lived in Aztec, New Mexico. When a flying saucer allegedly crashed there and he said, didn't happen. You can get after the Paracast by joining up the Paracast Plus. You also get the commercial free version of this show, free of all the network ads. 41 minutes of those ads are taken out. Better quality audio. To find more, go to plus.theparacast.com. That's P-L-U-S dot theparacast.com. The subscription rates start at just $1.49 a week. We give you all the sign-up instructions at plus.theparacast.com. Kurt Collins, MJ Benias, thank you both for joining us on the Paracast. Thank you, Gene. It was a pleasure. It's been an honor. I've had a great time. Thank you very much. Featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.